0: Welcome to an inspirational teaching by Pastor Victor DeMonte, the senior pastor of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. My concern is how do we handle prophetic words? And for a long time, I was wanting to uh, share with people, share with the congregation, how do we respond when prophetic words come? What does the Bible say? How do we handle prophecies? Now, some of us have already had bad experiences. In fact, there are more bad experiences than good experiences when it comes to the prophetic. And we get so disappointed, we want to throw everything out. We, we don't like to have anything to do with the prophetic. I personally have been very much blessed by the prophetic ministry and I will share as we go on. To put things in context, when we look at the Old Testament, The Old Testament was governed by prophets and kings. Two people, prophets and kings. The prophets were anointed by God to be the voice to the nation. They will speak on behalf of God to individuals and to the nation. But it was not the prophet who governed the nation. It was kings that governed the nation. Very important thing. Though they were the voice of God for the nation, God never trusted them with leadership. The minute a person who is prophetic leads a church, it can be all over the place. It can be prophetic, and you, he'll get frustrated, and the congregation will get frustrated. And so he functions alongside a leadership. And that's why there was a king. The king took decisions. The king would weigh the word, and look to God for direction, and execute the word. Now, if he was a godly king. If he was an ungodly king, he wouldn't bother to hear what the prophet would have to say. So, the only way the Old Testament people would hear God was through an anointed prophet. And you read the Old Testament and you see how God used people to speak into their lives prophetically. But when it comes to the New Testament, things change. In the Old Testament, they never had the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of them. Did you know that? It was always the manifest presence of God around them, but not the person of the Holy Spirit in them. In the New Testament, we have the person of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the prophet dwelling on the inside of us. And so God expects every born-again Christian, every believer, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's sad to say, the biggest challenge in the church today, worldwide, is more than 50% do not know how to hear God. And I'm talking to people in this congregation, you never know what it is to hear God, you never know what it is to experience God speaking to you. And that's the vulnerable part, because we are banking on prophecies to guide us, rather than the Spirit of God in you to guide you. Can I hear an amen to that one? And so, we must cultivate a heart attitude, not to go by our intellect, but go by our intuition. Our intuition is that inner witness, it's that gut feeling, it's the Spirit of God leading you. Now, on all fairness, I've not really thought much on that subject, and I plan to do it, and I keep planning to do it every year, but hopefully this year we will try and establish some of the basic principles of how you can cultivate a heart to hear God, a spirit that's sensitive to God speaking to you. So in the New Testament, the role of the prophet is still there. It's part of the fivefold ministry. Like a pastor, teacher. But prophets never govern the church. The prophets have an iterant ministry that travel and edify the church and bless the church. Now, what role does these prophets operate in? They only confirm what God is speaking to us. Can you say the word confirm? Say it again, confirm. That means there's already a stirring in your heart. There's already some inclination of what God is saying to you or the direction or the desire that God has put in your heart, but you're not too sure, is this the right thing or the wrong thing? Is this the way I should go or not? When you're in that place, the prophetic comes Im- and, be- and becomes an immense blessing to give you that word where this person has no clue about who you are, where you're coming from, who speaks into that situation, and you know it's God. How many of you had experiences like that? Put your hand up. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of us who have had experiences like that. So, those prophetic words bless you. It strengthens you. It gives you a sense of hope and certainty for the future or for the things that God is leading you into. Now, what happens when you have a word and there is no witness on the inside? What do you do with the word? How many of you had words like that? No one? You've had a prophetic word, but there's no witness. It just bounces off. It's somewhere wig. You've had anyone? Can I see your hands? Yeah, okay, there are a few people here. I had a word like that. We had these Kansas City prophets from the U.S. Uh, come to Bombay, but they were passing through Bangalore, and someone asked us if we could host them for a night before they traveled to Bombay. And so both my wife and I allowed them to stay in our house. We were not in Bangalore. We were traveling, and I said, you could use our home, stay the night, and then the next day you could leave. And so they didn't know us, we didn't know them, and they used our home. Uh, it so happened that we were in Bombay, and we saw this team of prophets sit on the stage, and they were prophesying over people. And uh, the few people who I knew, it spoke right into their situation. And after the meeting, I just went to meet him, both my wife and I, Annie and me, went to meet him, just say hi, and then carry on. And he said, Uh, God gave me a word, but I didn't feel I should give it to you publicly. I said, okay, basically prophetic words must be given publicly. I'll show you some scriptures. And so I said this to both of us, God has got a ministry for you concerning the poor. And at that time of our life and church life, we were far away from doing anything with the poor. And so we have this bad habit of trying to interpret prophecies according to the way we think. That's danger number one. You never interpret prophecies the way you want. So I parked it at the back of my mind. What did I do? You parked the prophecy at the back of your mind. It doesn't make sense in the now. There is no witness in your heart. And I said to Anne, maybe broken-hearted, poor in spirit, and you're trying to fit the word into context. Didn't fit. I think it was one year. And so I was teaching on the book of James. And as I was teaching on the book of James, I was talking about faith with works. Because works without faith, or faith without works is dead. And I was teaching on that whole book of James in the church. I went back home, and god started to stir something in my heart now i had this frame of mind that said privately of course to god god can I, if i had one sponsor from abroad who would give me a lot of money i will really do something for the poor Now, I don't know whether anyone has that that kind of secret press. You know, I said, God, I see so many people having these contacts and money flowing in and so much they can do for the poor. I mean, God, give me, I will do something like that. Nothing happened. Uh, You know, nothing seemed to materialize. My heart was not there towards the poor. But when I looked at that verse, I realized that good works God is not looking for. God is looking for works inspired by faith. By faith means you don't have the resources. By faith means you don't have the natural circumstances to do what God has called you to do. It's inspired by faith, not by finance. It's inspired by faith, not by finance. You know, today there are many organizations that do good works, NGOs and all of that. They're good works, but they're not works inspired by faith, inspired by sponsors, It's inspired by donations, and I felt the contrast of what was happening around and what God was speaking to me, and so we came up with this whole thing of your change can change lives, and we would have our dumb boxes and uh, collect the change from people, and we would help the poor people, and God started to do something in my life, and then from there, we started taking tuitions, and some of the people are already here been a tremendous blessing. Sudha was another one who just passed on. Ramnath Sudha, they were there. A lot of people volunteered in the church and took tuitions, evenings, come and spend time, Manjula, or so many right there at that initial stage, teaching these poor children. And there was frustration growing in, uh, in the teachers' hearts because the government schools were not really teaching. They were only helping them to, by heart, to pass an exam or Give them the answers, but not really teach them. And so we're wondering what to do next. And that's when God began to speak again. And uh, God spoke to us. They that look to the Lord, their faces will be radiant and not be covered with shame. And that's how Radiant School came into existence. Now, when God began to do this, what happened? The word that was parked behind my mind came to the forefront, and I said, okay, this is what God was saying to us, but we were not in the frame of mind to receive what God was saying. So suddenly I put the two together, and it made sense that God had called us to, be, to have a significant work among the poor. Church, I don't have to convince you. You see it for yourself, the significant work among the poor. It's a result of the prophetic that God spoke as a witness in my heart and a confirmation to the prophetic word that came to that person. Now, this is how you handle prophecies. And you will get probably prophecies not only just today or maybe some other time in your life. It doesn't make sense. Do not try and force a prophecy. Do not try and work your prophecy and say, no, God said it and I must do it. God forbid that anyone should say, I'm going to marry, uh, you know, Jack because God prophesied uh, that I should marry Jack. You know, you'd be a jackass if you did that. It just so happened I said that. You know, there are so many tragedies today. Someone prophesied, pastor prophesied, some person said you will marry someone, and so you marry them. No witness, no desire, no feeling, nothing. But you do it because someone prophesied it. That's not scriptural. Don't blame him, you have to blame it. I feel the need to teach on how we respond to prophecies. You don't fall for prophecies like that. Someone had this prophecy, God wants you to go to Africa. So the person picked his bags and went to Africa. Nothing happened there, no ministry, no effective, he was not effective. And so he shared this with another man of God. He says, what you failed to ask that person who prophesied, when should I go back from Africa? You see, if we're going to only let our lives govern by, be governed by prophecies, we're going in the wrong direction. And I know how many people in the Christian world are so desperate for a prophetic word, they will run from pillar to post. They will put their heads in under anyone's hand for a prophetic word. I remember many years ago, there was a lady that came, to a, that came to a meeting, not our meeting, another meeting, and that person prophesied and says, you're going to get cancer, or you're going to die or something like that. And this lady was so upset. And then she says, you know, maybe he made a mistake. And then uh, she went after two days again and put a head there, and he prophesied again, you know, disaster is going to come upon you. And then after, when you get prophecies, you come to the pastor. I had to say, why did you show your head there? (laughs) You know what I'm convinced about? There's one thing that God has laid a foundation in my heart, If God has to get His message across to me, He will take people from across the globe. He will bring them to my home. He will cross my paths. He will cause our paths to cross because God has a word for me, and I will not miss it. How many of you have that faith morning? You see, if God wants to speak to you, He will speak to you if you have an open heart. You don't have to run from this prophet to that prophet to get a word. That prophet you will find yourself in that place where you will have a prophetic word. You know, I want to tell you another story. I never run after prophecies. That stage of my life was over when I was a born-again Christian. I was so anxious. prophet. Wow, I must be in that meeting. I'll sit in the front, pray in tongues. Word, Lord, word, speak to me. Nothing happens at that meeting. You go back disappointed and say, God, did you forget me? You know why God speaks to those only and not everyone else? Because those are the people who are in confusion that need a word. You're at peace, you're not confused, you don't need a word. Why should God say? You want him to say he loves you? Well, I'll prophesy that over you. You see, when you have a stirring in your heart, when there is something that God wants to do in your life, significant, that's when the word is relevant. He doesn't give words to entertain anyone. Am I right? It's not for entertainment. It's for direction. It's, we'll talk about it. I'm still. This is my introduction. I was in this. Okay, let me tell the story. You all know the story of how I was in Singapore and this man called me and we prophesied, God has called you to be a pastor, God will open a door that, will, that no man will shut and he mentioned a few gifts that will operate. I never wanted to be the pastor of any church and you probably know that story. But when I went before God, I knew that God called me to be a pastor. But I never liked it, so what did I do? I chose to interpret the prophecy the way I like you know, we want to hear what we like. We don't want to hear what we don't like. Hello? And that's the problem with us. That's why we can't hear God. Because we're always looking in one direction when God's speaking to us in another direction. And so I said to myself, after starting Adonai in 86, I told my wife, after two years, I'm, I'm handing over this church to anyone, and I'm going to be an evangelist. God told me to be a pastor, and I'm going to be a pastor only for two years. Who said the two years? Not the prophetic word? Me. See, when you don't want to obey God, you will find an excuse not to. And so I had my calendar that time, whatever calendar that was. If six months I had an appointment, I thought, wow, see, it's filling up, people calling me. There were a lot of supernatural things that were happening in those days. And I went to Chennai. I was conducting a meeting. When a friend who was an evangelist, all my friends were evangelists at that time. I never knew another pastor friend, only evangelist. Because I wanted to be an evangelist, you meet the same people that you like. And he took the liberty to tell me that he called up Dinekarin, and he fixed an appointment with Dinekrin without my permission. Don't you think that's cheeky? And then he calls me from Bangladesh and he says, You know what, I fixed an appointment, you must go and see him. Okay, you fix an appointment without telling me, and then you tell me I must go see him. I said, okay. I said, I got a meeting. He says somehow find a way. He will call you. I know him very well. Now, you know that DJ's dinner you have to wait for months to get an appointment. And I get this appointment after the meeting. He wants to see you. Get excited. uh, We're going to see him. My wife and I go there, and I'm not prepared. I don't know why I want to see him. I didn't want to see him in the first place. Not that I didn't want to see him, but I didn't want to see him. You understand what that terminology is? You'll figure it out. This is prophetic, so you have to find interpretation for it. And so I go there, totally unprepared. I sit there, blank. I said, "Uh, friend knows you very well. He says, yes. And that's all. He's a man of few words. His smile is brilliant. His face is glowing. He He says, and I said, you know, he speaks very highly of you. Thinking, say something. My wife, who's a talker, keeps quiet at that moment. Thinking, can't she say something? And I said, okay, I started a church. And he said, I said, uh, you know, we're a small church. Nice to hear that. That's all, he's not saying anything. My wife is not saying anything. I ran out of conversation. I told him this is it. He says, pray for you. And so we stood there in front, and he's behind his desk. And You know, when you stand with your wife, and your wife gets all these flowery prophecies. My daughter, my beloved one, I'm so pleased with you. You're thinking, what's coming to you next? And he, he got all these nice prophecies. And then he puts the cross on my head. And he says, you're not an evangelist. God has called you to be a pastor. And I'm looking at this. I opened my eyes and looked at Annie slowly. Because she was the only one who was resisting. When I told her two years and I'm going to be an evangelist, she says, no, we will be a pastor. And I'm hoping he'll prophesy and say you're called to be an evangelist and then I will be the happiest man on the earth. But he says you're called to be a... He didn't just stop there. He says again you're called to be a pastor and in his own style God has called you to build his very own body. And I never understood what that meant. His very own body. You think I was happy? I was the most miserable man that evening. I never spoke to my wife. I didn't even speak to God after that. I was so angry. I had a humpty number of questions. God, where in your Bible says uh, you'll give the desires of heart? How much of my desire I've prayed? I have fasted and i prayed. Why you didn't give me the desire of my heart? You know, we forget who's God sometimes. We forget that we are clay, he's God. I want to remind you, you're just clay. You feel good about that? It took Time forgot to knock some sense in my mind. Do you know how much the prophetic word makes sense today? It took years, but today the gifting and the ministry that God has given is only to build the body of Christ. True. I didn't even know what he meant when he says God has called you to build my very own body, and that's why every program we do is open for the wider body of Christ. So I believe we have a responsibility to build the spiritual body of Christ. And once again, the church will rise up to be that dynamic group of people who will be world changers. And that's my passion. I have a vision for the church. God has changed it. But thank God for the prophetic word. If it wasn't for the prophetic word, this church wouldn't be where it is today. There wouldn't be Adonai church or probably, I don't know what. I believe in the prophetic. And I see the value of the prophetic. But I also see the dangers of what happens to people because of the prophetic. And the last time we had a person here, some were blessed, and some were disappointed, and they came to me and says, why did, that, why did he say God will say this? And nothing happened. And you're troubled. And you may have something like that tonight, and tomorrow night. And that's why this leads me to talk on discerning of prophecies. Let's get to what the Bible says. In 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 19, is our responsibility. Let me read it. Do not quench the Spirit. Don't quench. That means water is flowing out. Don't stop. Don't put your hand there. Don't quench the Spirit. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, two words we must be careful of. Don't grieve. Don't quench. Grieve is to hurt the Holy Spirit. Quench is to stop the Holy Spirit moving. Do not, what's the next verse? Do not, say that again, do not. Now that's not a suggestion, that's an instruction. Don't despise. You've had bad experiences? Yes. We've all probably had, at some level or the other, some bad experiences with prophetic words. But the Bible says, do not despise. The word despise, don't look down on it. Don't rubbish it off and say, oh, prophecies. We need to have a balanced view and attitude towards the prophetic ministry or prophecies in itself. Now look at the two things that God says for us to do. What do you got to do? You got to test. What do you do? You got to test some prophecies or all prophecies? Every prophecy. Whether I give you a prophecy or prophet from America comes and gives you a prophecy, what's our responsibility? Test it. Test it. Then it says, hold on to that which is good, or hold fast to that which is good, whatever. You know why it says hold fast to that which is good? Because there'll be some elements that will not be good. When you test it, look at me, you see in a sieve, you sift something, you take a prophetic word and you sift it. You take what is good and hold fast to it, because there will be elements of the prophetic which may not be so good. Which, it's just there. But it's our responsibility to test the prophecy, all prophecy, at any level given to you, and to hold fast to that which is good. And then it says, abstain from every form of evil. Why do we need to hold fast to prophecies? Because prophecies come without a time frame. Heard what I said? You've got to hold faster. The word prophetic is speaking about the future. And God will say something to you about the future. There is no time frame of that. The biggest mistake, another mistake that we fall into, is when you receive a prophetic word, we think tomorrow is going to happen. There is no such thing as tomorrow happening. Maybe on a rare rare occasion, it will be a tomorrow, or it will be something that God is currently saying to you, which you're already involved in, and that's perfectly okay. But the prophetic dimension is to give us a glimpse of the future, what is ahead of us, the direction that God wants to take us as a church or you as an individual being involved in the church. Now, when I had this vision, this was the word. Every prophecy, every vision, every supernatural experience people have must be word-based. It must be based on the absolute authority of the word of God. Did you get that? Are you with me? It must be based on the absolute authority of God's word. If you don't have the word of God to back it up, then keep it on the pending file. And this is the verse that God gave me. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Every vision, every prophetic word has its appointed time. But at the end of it, it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come and it will not tarry. So, what is God saying? Wait for the prophetic word. And that's the difficult part waiting. God doesn't tell you six months, one year. He tells you just wait. Wait for that moment where things come to pass. It was that word that came from Habakkuk that took me through my trying times, took me through times of my doubt, times of uncertainty. All because, at that moment, I held on to this verse that says, wait, tarry, wait for the appointed time. I'm waiting for the appointed time. For the ministry of what God had called me to do, and there are still certain aspects of that vision I'm still looking forward to, to seeing come to pass. That's how long it takes, because God speaks into the future. I'll give you a scripture reference And that's in 1 Samuel 16, verse 1 to 3. David was one of the youngest of the eight sons of Jesse. He was in his teens when Samuel anointed him to be king. But then it took 15 years, 15 years before David actually became a king. Can you see the duration of time? So don't be carried away with something that God is saying, and you're looking for it in the next month or the next two months. We never know the timing. God speaks into the future. Another one, Abraham. Abraham was 75 years old when God spoke to him and gave him a, a, gave him a prophetic word that he would be a father of the nations. When he was at the age of 100, Abraham and Sarah finally bore their son. 25 years, he, they waited for the fulfillment of his promise. I hope no one will, God will treat for 25 years waiting period. But it's giving you a sense of hope A sense of maturity. You know what happens in those times of waiting? It's not wasted time. They're maturing times. Can you say the word maturing times? When you're waiting for something, it matures you. Patience brings hope. It builds faith. It deals with character. And that's why it's good that we hold fast to the prophecy. We need to test prophecies because prophecies can bless us or can mislead us. There are three different sources of prophecies. One is our human spirit. You like someone. That's why it's very difficult sometimes to prophesy to people who you know because you already know so much about them. And you don't know whether it's your emotions or whether you're feeling. Some people have told me this. It's very easy to hear about what God says for someone else, but very hard to hear God for yourself. You know why? Because you know yourself. You can be deceived. But for someone else, you leave it to them to decide whether God's speaking to them or not. And so it's our human spirit. This will always be a blessing to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 9. Now this is not what I'm saying. This is what the Bible says. For we know in part. That means our understanding of spiritual things is only part. Understanding of God is only in part. We prophesy. Can you see the word prophesy? We prophesy how? In part. How many of you wish there was more to a prophecy than when you received it? Put your hand up. I wish there was a lot more, but you get only a little bit. Did God speak more no that 's an appetizer. You hear God, you prophesy people. The Bible says, we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come that 's talking about the fullness of time. when Jesus is returned, that which is in part will be done away. There will be no more apprehensions, no more uncertainty, we are in the presence of God, our future is settled, and we won't have any more confusion or anxiety. When the perfect comes, then clarity will come. The second source of prophetic words can be demonic spirits. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 19. I must say this, I'm writing a book Okay, I thought I was trying to hold this in, but I'm going to share this with you. I'm writing a book called the Di- On the Gift of Discerning of Spirits and False Prophets. And every time I think of it, I feel the relevance of that book in the time that we're living of is of crucial importance. We need to learn to be more discerning in the world we're living in. And so you patiently wait and you pray for me for the book to come to pass, uh, to come reality soon. Jeremiah 23, 16 says, do not listen to the words of the prophets you who prophesy to you. Don't listen to their words. That make you worthless. You see, prophetic words that discourage you, who says that you're going to die in six months. How many of you blessed if you know you're going to die in six months? Put your hand up. Okay, something wrong with you. And that's why... When you have prophecies that say saying someone else is dying or someone else is, it doesn't bless you. It's worthless. It makes you worthless. It doesn't make you feel good. You feel inadequate. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. It makes them feel good. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. How close are we are to receiving prophecies like that? We're living in a place of compromise. You live in a place where there's so much of ungodliness in your life, and someone prophesies and says, well done, you're doing good, and nothing, no harm will befall you. God says, don't listen to those prophecies. They're false prophets. They, they don't come from God. God says, I've never spoken those things. Here's a guideline. When you receive a prophecy, be very careful about receiving prophecies with dates. Next year or this time, something will happen. Be wary about it. Especially when it comes about babies, mates, who you marry, be careful of it. They are mystery and death. Three things. When someone moves into that area of prophecy, prophesying about what child you'll have, they're walking in a very dangerous path because that's a mystery to God. Are you okay with that? God wanted you to know what uh, child you'll have. You can either do a scan nowadays technology or he'll show you. But what, what blessing will that be? There's a sense of suspense, there's something that God wants to hold to himself. Second one is about who to marry. That's a personal thing. And about that, that's another mystery to God. And then we have the Holy Spirit that brings prophetic word. Now I'm going to give you seven biblical principles of how to discern prophecies. Seven quick points, seven biblical principles of how to discern prophecies. In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says, but I'll read verse 3 first, but he who prophesies must speak, can you say the first word? Edification, comfort, Uh, sorry, must speak edification and exhortation and comfort, three qualities a prophecy must have. First one, edification. Second one, exhortation. And third one, comfort. Edification means to build you up, to improve you, to enhance your gifting or enhance what God has called you to do. Enhance you as an individual. That's the word edification. You feel strengthened, built up on the inside. The word exhortation is to encourage you. You're discouraged. You, uh, you want to give up. Prophetic words can come and encourage you. And then comfort is some prophetic words that God consoles you and comforts you and says, look, I know what you're going through. And God's in control of your life. And the, the words you receive does not have much direction, but it has a lot of comfort because of what you're going through in life. Three qualities of a prophecy. Edification exhortation, and comfort. In all these three areas, I've received prophetic words. I will share with you a little bit, just one incident that I've hardly spoken about, is when I received that word, a prophetic word about God has called me to be a pastor, God will open a door which no man will shut in Singapore, I stood back in the corner of the class, 100 people crowded, and I had my private conversation with God and saying, God, I still have no direction whether I should go back to India because I was planning to do my further studies and study theology. and, And so I stood in the corner and I was saying to God, God, what should I do? Should I pursue my education or should I go back and start the church? You know, this New Zealander, as I still recall, and his face is so clear in my mind, he cuts across so many students in the classroom, and it's like one slap in my face. He says this to me prophetically, why has unbelief entered your heart? I think, you you know, when when you're doubting what God is saying, and you're asking for a question, you don't expect that one, that kind of response, and that's so quick. Why has unbelief entered into your heart? Walk in the way that God has spoken, and you will hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I knew it was taken from Isaiah. I want to tell you the truth. That voice has still guided me till today. That voice behind me saying, this is the way go. That voice. Priceless. You know what that voice did? It edified and it strengthened me in a time of uncertainty. I want you to know, God is a God that speaks. And if you don't know the God who speaks, you're missing a very vital part of who, the, who God is. God is not only someone up there for you to talk to. He's there for him to speak into your life. And we must hear the voice of God. Why do I say it so emphatically? Because Jesus says, my sheep, my sheep. How many sheep are here in God's house this morning? Can I hear you bleating? Okay, there's a little bit there. My sheep will hear my voice. The problem is never on God's part. The problem is on our part, not hearing the shepherd. Exhortation, encouragement, and comfort. Did you know that there was a time I wanted to quit church, quit pastoring? I was so fed up with pastoring people who had the same problems. Every month, every year, in and out, you know, with an evangelist, you could say what you want and then you change your congregation. But with a pastor, whatever you say, it'll be rem- they will remind you of what you say, and even if you preach a message twice, they'll tell you, this day, this time, I got it in my notes, you preach it, you're preaching it the second time. So you can't have, uh, you know, repeats. That's one. Second thing, you have the same problem, and you pray for them, they come back and say nothing happened. And I had a group of people that I was praying for and nothing happened. They didn't change, I changed. What did I change? I got more discouraged. I sulked at home. I told the staff, the two, three people, I'm resigning from church. This is, this is not working. I was so discouraged. I refused to go to the church office. I refused to meet people. I was down in the dumps. The next month we had a church camp. And I did not know who the speaker was. It was part of another organization. This person comes from UK. His name is Steve Braiding. He starts to preach and he has a prophetic edge to his ministry. He picks me up and he says this to me. God is saying to you, well done and good servant. I'm thinking to myself, God, I was so miserable that it pleased you. You said, well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, what did I do for you to say good and well done, a faithful servant? But he began to bring uh, after that. And God said, he's going to make rivers in the midst of deserts. He will cause, you know, waters to flow in parts lands. It revived my spirit. It revived my spirit. I came back after the camp, and a person put this book into my hand, Neil Anderson. God never called you to fight with darkness. He called you to turn on the light. Just that one statement. A light turned on on the inside. All my experiences of deliverance, no one talks about deliverance. There's hardly anyone who practiced deliverance in that sense in our nation, uh, apart from the upfront dramas that you see. And I forgot all about what happened to me. And God revived it. God revived it. And that was the beginning of God stirring my heart in this direction to minister freedom in a place where there's no hope in people's lives. And I saw breakthroughs. I didn't even know all what I know now. I would pray for them, they would weep, there would be manifestations, and I didn't know why they were manifesting. I didn't even know it was a demonic root. something that God wanted to lead me into. Can you see how God can comfort you in that place of discouragement? God can bring a word that not only comforts you, strengthens you, God uses other people to bring things across your path. What is the purpose of the gift? The purpose of the gift is 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 12, 14 verse 12. Look at this verse. Even so you, if you're desiring a spiritual gift, whatever gift you're desiring, since you're zealous for spiritual gifts, you have a zeal to operate in gifts of healing, prophetic words, um, words of knowledge, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So what it says, the bigger picture, the church must be edified. Not just individuals, but the church being edified. One of the things I found in this man's uh, writer, he says, his purpose is to father the next generation into the purposes of God. I thought, where did I ever hear that before? Of a prophetic person looking to release people for the destiny and the call that God has on their life for the life uh, for the next generation. He's around 60 plus. We must have the bigger picture. You know, the problem is we don't have the bigger picture of the church. We have our individual picture. Will I go to Kerala or I'll stay in Bangalore? Will I marry Jones or will I marry the Harry? I mean you marry how will that edify I mean it'll edify you, but you know there 's more to your life than who you marry Jones or Harry or whether you 'll be in Kerala or whether it be Bangalore where you 'll travel. You know what? Let's not be petty-minded. God is looking for a church that will be vibrant. He's looking for a church that will be dynamic, a church that will be like soldiers marching on to fulfill the plans that He has for us. Not just private things. What we like to get private. Prophecies, they come private. We'll, we'll continue. There's a lot more to go. But look at the bigger picture. What is God saying? What's your purpose in this world? What is the purpose in this church of Adonai? And that's what our heart should be. God want to fit in. You're not sitting here just because it's nice and comfortable. And I would like to think you would like the pastor, so yeah, you're sitting here. No, I'm just joking. Look at this. Second one. It must agree with Scripture. It must agree. Second way of testing, agree with Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. You know what? The Holy Spirit is the one that gave the scriptures. And it's the Holy Spirit that speaks a prophetic word to you. The Holy Spirit never contradicts himself. That makes sense to you? It's his word. It's the Spirit's word that you have called the Bible. And it's the Spirit's word that will come to you in prophetic ways to make that word in the Bible real. That's why 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty nine. 29. Look, look at this verse. Let two or three prophets speak, two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. Even when it's among prophets, they're meant to be two or three people. That's why it was a combination of prophets and kings. The kings had to weigh and judge. In the New Testament, it's the apostolic or the pastor and the prophet. The apost- apostolic is not there, the pastor is there. That's why the two functions, the prophets and the apostles, work together and move together. Keep a balance. And it says here, When two or three prophets are speaking, let the other judge. Now, let me say this to you. When someone gives you a private prophecy, who's judging it? Nobody. It's in a corner secret. That's why prophecies must be given publicly so that others can judge, and you can also judge in your heart. This has come publicly. That making sense? Someone who tells you, come to my home, I'll give you prophecies, Prophecies were made, not meant for your kitchen or for your hall room. It was meant for the church to be functioned, part of the church to edify the church. Now, I'm not saying you can't have a word privately to, to someone to encourage. That's okay. But the context of what the Bible is saying is, is someone must weigh that prophecy, someone who's spiritual, someone who's there to say, yes, this is their best witness, help you to discern before you bring that word. Now, the third one, it must exalt Jesus. The purpose of a prophetic word is to exalt Jesus. Now I've had people prophesy, not to me thankfully, but prophesy to others, you will be like Catherine Kuhlman. So who is it glorifying, Catherine Kuhlman or the person? I don't know. Or you will be with Benny Hinn. Or you will walk in Benny Hinn's anointing. Oh, Benny Hinn has anointing. I didn't know that. I thought all anointing came from the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? You see, if it's not drawing you to Jesus, but drawing you to a person, be careful of it. God never indulges in hero worship. He only indulges in the fact that we have one God, and we worship Him alone. Prophecy should glorify God. Not an individual, neither yourself. And we like the self-glorification. Oh, God's going to use you and you're going to travel abroad and then get your suitcases ready and then, you know, you will have no time and you'll be running out of airports and you'll have a lot of money. Who doesn't want a prophecy like that? But you know what? Doesn't glorify God. Just glorifies who you are and what you do. Doesn't, doesn't build anything. Sorry if I'm puncturing your your balloon. But this is what the Word of God says. Let me give you Scripture, John 16:13. Whoever, when he speaks, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth has come. The Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So what is the prophetic ministry? Taking from what is God and declaring it to you. To strengthen you, to comfort you and edify you. Exhortation. The prophecies... You receive must bear witness to your spirit. 1 John 2.27, fourth point. It must bear witness to your spirit. 1 John 2.27 says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. The anointing abides in you. The anointing abides in you. It's the Holy Spirit. And you need not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches, you are concerning all things and it's true. And it's not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. He says, you know what? We have an anointing on the inside. How many of you know you have the anointing on the inside? Yeah. The Holy Spirit is there. The anointing is a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. The word anointing means ability. And the Holy Spirit, the anointing is in the inside. The Holy Spirit will bear witness of what you hear was right or wrong. And actually, the context of that is to discern between false prophets and right prophets. Are you listening to me? Look at me. Stop Listening to your intellect, start listening to your spirit. That's the anointing is there. Your Holy Spirit will bear witness. You know, a person spoke to me about a prophet and, uh, you know, so good and so this and so that. You must go meet him and all of it. So I took my wife Annie with me and I said, we'll go meet him in his hotel. Meet the guy. So he met this, uh, met this guy and he calls himself prophet. Now, yeah. So I wanted to check out uh, why he's called, you must call him prophet so-and-so. I don't know whether he's making a lot of profit, that's why you call him prophet so-and-so or what, I don't know. But when I went to may meet him, he started to prophesy over Annie. And what he said to Annie about Annie, it just didn't bear witness in my heart. Something that was not right. And then he prophesied and said some things about me. And I said to God, as he prophesied, I said, God, I just don't want anything which is wrong not from you. Something didn't settle in my spirit. And then he spoke about someone who will die in the family. Some, something that was not right. I drove back very quiet. I was not talking. You know why? I'm trying to gauge in my spirit what is there. And when you're driving, you know God can speak when you drive. And suddenly in my spirit, God gave me a scripture reference from the book of Numbers. I had no clue what it was. But all I knew, the scripture verse came. So I came home, still never said anything, went to my Bible, opened it to Numbers, and when I opened it, it says, Beware of false prophet. Literally, I'm not exaggerating. When I saw that, I quickly closed it. I was too shocked. And God was warning me that was a false prophet that he went and uh, uh, sought. And then later on, I found out he was banned and he was exposed of uh, how he fabricated his testimony and other things. And I thought to myself, thank God for the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside. You see the value of testing. And you know what? I don't know how many of you would have got prayed by that man. He's come to Bangalore. People will run to their meetings. Let the anointing lead you, guide you, what What happens. Listen to the anointing. You know, there was another lady that was in this congregation, went to another meeting, and Annie asked her, did you feel comfortable in your spirit? She says, no. But why did you go? No, I see all these miracles. I see these manifestations. You know what we do? We get so impressed with the manifestations, we violate a fundamental principle that God has said. Listen to the anointing on the inside. If you don't feel uncomfortable with what's happening on the inside, something is not bearing witness. For God's sake, listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you to truth. You know, I don't know why I'm saying this. You know, people have gotten to marriage because of prophetic words. And right till the end, there's something not right, but they still go ahead with it because someone prophesied. And then only to find out Months and years later, that relationship doesn't go anywhere. Why? They didn't listen to their spirit. They listened to another person. Prophetic words are meant to bring liberty. It liberates you. It doesn't bring fear, no confusion, and definitely no condemnation. Look at the scripture. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit, where the Holy Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, and if that word is coming from the Holy Spirit, it will lead you to freedom. It will liberate you from your confusion, liberate you from your fears. It will liberate you from the sense of condemnation and hopelessness. Prophetic words bring liberty. Sixth point, it must come true. The evidence of God speaking is in the reality of what happens. Does it come to pass or not? If it does not come to pass, then that was not God. It was just a good idea, but not a God idea. Let me read Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 22. The Bible says, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously presuming, presumptionally, you shall not be afraid of them. You know, very often, because of our human tendency, we can presume. Because the person knows something about your life or whatever, he can be very presumptuous. I learned how to handle prophecies. This is what I learned from a, a real man of God. I respected him. I still respect him. He's called Dave Devonish. He's from the UK. And I saw him operate. In discerning of spirits and the gift of prophecy, he will say it publicly, and he'll stop in between his prophecy and talk to the person and says, is this making sense to you? And if the person says yes, he'll continue to prophesy. I thought that's maturity. That's maturity. One of the fundamental things I tell people, if you want to move in any gift of the spirit, be prepared to be wrong. The minute you think you're never wrong, that's the biggest mistake where you've gone wrong. No one is infallible. No prophet is infallible. No, no human being can be infallible and say, I got all 100% prophecies right. No one can say it. Not true, because there's a human element. And so we need to ask the people, is this bearing witness? Is this right? If it's not right, just leave it. 1 Corinthians 39 says, for we know in part, and we prophesy. We already looked at it. But when that which is made perfect, what we know in part disappears. The last point, prophecies must lead us to loving God and fulfilling His destiny. Look at this verse, Deuteronomy 13:1. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, or which he has spoken to you, saying, let us go after God, which you have not spoken, and let us save them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet, that dreamer of dreams. Now, can you look at this difference here? It's talking about a dreamer, talking about a prophet who prophesies and it comes to pass. So just because it came to pass also is not the genuine test. The test is, what did it do for your spiritual life? How did it glorify Jesus? How did it build the body of Christ? Look what it says. You shall not listen to the voice of that prophet or dreamers, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love your, the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, would you be carried away with materialism? Would you be carried away f- away from the presence of God? It's not, it's not of God. It comes to pass. So what? That's why these seven steps, biblical principles are so important to discern, weigh, and test every prophecy and then hold fast to that which is good. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai-ministries.com.